Something a little different this week, a cold open. John, tell us about that dream you were about to mention. I had a dream that I was on Franklin Street in Chapel Hill, and it was, it was sort of dark, and I was wandering around. I, I, I was with some friends, and I don't know who they were, but an old classmate of mine, Jeff Mahorny, I uh, haven't seen him in years. I don't know where he is. I'm probably friends with him somewhere on line. Uh, came running up and gave me a huge hug. Hey. And uh, it was a pretty boring dream. All dreams are interesting. I think it had something to do with COVID, maybe. Why do you think you dreamt about Jeff? Starly, you don't know what a <laughs> probing question that is. <laughs> It's, it probably yeah. wasn't Jeff. Jeff was probably me. Why do you want to be Jeff? Because he had a sports car, didn't he, back in the day? Didn't he have like a Mazda RX-7 or something? No. Oh, I'm thinking of somebody else. Were you thinking about someone else when you said you don't know how appropriate a question that is? No, that still applies. Okay, just the sports car doesn't. I dreamed of one other person, David. Um, Derek Kepner's brother, Chip Kepner. Yep. I was like auditing a class at UNC and he was there giving like a presentation in the class and he was wearing his Chapel Hill High School Tigers letter jacket. Because Chip Kepner, of course, as listeners will know, was one of North Carolina's great high school soccer players. Right. And his dad coached soccer and his younger brother, Derek, our classmate, was also a great soccer player. Yeah. Greatest episode ever. So was Mike. Mike played on that team and was a great soccer player. Listener Mike, that's right. Chip's mom was my uh, high school science teacher. Mrs. Kepner, she didn't mess around. I mean, this is all real talk straight from the heart right here. Is John going to just tell us his dreams every episode now? Is this a reoccurring segment? I hope No, no, I don't want to tell him. I don't think they're, they're interesting. I can't get enough of it. I brought it up, Starly, because you were talking about before we started taping that you had seen somebody and you each gave each other this embrace. You sort of fell into one another's arms and all of a sudden it just, I remembered, oh my gosh, I had a dream like that last night. And then I interrupted your story and I said, this is an amazing dream. John said, we have to start recording. We must capture this dream And you guys were like, no, save it, save it. (laughs) And I was like, all right. Well, I think our cold open has been a huge success. That's how you rope them in, Mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. You just start with a fun little anecdote in media rays, I think is the Greek term for it in the great podcasting amphitheaters of yesteryore. And now it's time for a deus ex machina. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on current events and related phenomena. I'm David, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts and friends, Starly. Hi, Starly. Hi. And down in North Carolina, the dreamer himself, winking, blinking, nod, and long John Silver, rowing that baby's boats, a silver moon, a sailing to the sky. It's John. Hi, John. Hey. Well, we have a lot to talk about this week. We have decided this week to focus on celebrities. Starly and John and I are podcast hosts, and so we are, in our own ways, celebrities. Mm -hmm. And so we naturally feel a kinship towards not only the stars of the silver screen, but also the stars of the political world. You're acting as though a podcast host could never be a celebrity, but actually, the way podcasts are going, it's pretty much 
the domain of celebrities now. We might be the only podcast hosts who aren't celebrities at this point, for yes. crying out loud. Yes. We need to be like the McElvoys. Yeah. My brother, my brother, and me. Their whole family, they've got a whole family compound of podcasting celebrities. Celebrities long to be doing this. Celebrities long to be podcasters. It's true. Huh. We're recording this the morning after the Oscars, the Academy Awards. Are you guys going to talk about the Oscars? And if so, can I take this episode off? No, that's not the attitude. Yeah, that's the first item on our episode outline. Oscars recap, TK, TK, TK. I didn't watch it. John, what did you think of last night's Oscars <laughs> telecast? I didn't watch. I watched it on Twitter. Boy, it sure seems like it was kind of weird, and there were some things that were out of order <laughs> and some shocking <laughs> things. I love, let's do this, John Kimball's Twitter recap of the Oscars. Uh, whoa, that was weird. Doing the butt. <laughs> sexy, sexy. Somebody made a mistake. I never was convinced that the television network didn't know who the winners were, but now I am convinced that they don't know because they wouldn't have made that decision. Yeah, do you know what the decision was? So here, let's do a quiz. Yeah. What was the decision that the Oscars never would have made if they had known the answer ahead of time? They wouldn't have announced Best Actor as the final award. And why? Why did they do that this year? I don't know why they did, because the two people that uh, seemed to be in contention, well, one wasn't alive and the other wasn't there. But the, the one who wasn't alive is, we're guessing why they decided to end on that award. Because they were assuming that Chadwick Boseman would have won and that his widow would have given a speech. Somebody would have given a heartfelt speech and it was an upset that he didn't win and instead Anthony Hopkins won. And what was surprising about Anthony Hopkins winning and not being there is Anthony Hopkins is a very active Instagram user. He's very good at it too. Hmm. So for Anthony Hopkins to not be doing a video thank you last night was as surprising as oh. Chadwick Boseman not winning. So that's part of it, that it was a rare instance of him not being online. Like, I, I can't imagine what prevented him from just being patched in. He loves making videos. But it was very late. He was in, see, I know a lot. Maybe he's in Wales. He's in, it was like. John was talking mm, I don't this like big this. game. I don't, about, like oh, this, I don't have John. a TV. I don't, I don't, like I don't know what's on the insincere. Disingenuous. Now, now John's like, actually, Sir Anthony Hopkins actually lives in a Greenwich Mean Time plus two. I didn't watch it. But you knew then, so you were you were acting when you said you didn't know he why? He might be our generation's greatest actor. He might be our Sir Anthony Long John Silver. I still think it's a bad decision to make, knowing that he wasn't going to be there. I mean, they didn't. it didn't matter that Anthony Hopkins wasn't going to be there because they figured Chadwick Boseman would have won, and that speech would have, like, not left a dry eye in the house. They didn't expect Anthony Hopkins to win. Now I understand your reference, John, when you said that you saw a tweet that said, I used to think they knew the answers in advance, and now I know they don't. It just clicked into place for me. Yeah, they don't. And that's why we love the Oscars. I don't think it's because Anthony Hopkins was asleep, though. If you're Sir Anthony Hopkins, you're going to stay away for some fake-ass Oscars in an empty train station? So that's, so that my, that's going to be my next question. John, mm -hmm. where do you think the Oscars took place? Well, I just heard David say an empty train station. So an empty train station in L.A.? Union Station, a beautiful structure, actually. How would you feel winning an Oscar in a train station? Uh, 
I'd be fine with that. It's kind of cool. <laughs> not cool? It's not cool? If I were to win an Oscar, I wouldn't want it to be in a train station. It's what the Oscars will be like in a post-apocalyptic world. This is a, a dry, this is preparing us for what it'll be like when, when it's Cormac McCarthy's The Oscars. Yeah, right? A repurposed old municipal building, the infrastructure's all blown to bits. Just a few remaining celebrities band together to put on an Oscars to try to create a semblance of normality in a bomb-blasted landscape. Why did they do it in a train station? Just to be different or because it offered more protection than a normal theater? I think it was ventilation because there was skylights at the top. Oh, okay. My question to both of you, now that the Oscars are over, they've rolled up the red carpets and all the little statuettes have been distributed. How many of this year's Oscar-nominated films did... Both of you see. One. One. Guys. I had a really hard time accepting that this the Oscars were happening this year. I couldn't hold it in my mind. Which which Oscar-nominated film did you see, Starly? Promising Young Woman. <sighs> that movie was a disappointment. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I thought that was such an amazing premise for a movie. But it really, I don't know, it didn't work for me. What was the premise? It's basically like a classic 70s pseudo-feminist exploitation movie like I Spit on Your Grave or the Abel Ferreira movie, Miss 45, except it's recalibrated for a Me Too era. It's about a woman seeking revenge on behalf of her friend who was assaulted. Mm -hmm. But because it's very self-consciously about contemporary sexual mores, all the lines are a little blurrier as to what is justified versus unjustified vengeance. In a way, that's kind of cool if the point of the movie is that revenge can kind of hollow you out and it's not a good way to honor victims of of assault. But something about the ending and the tone of it, I just felt like it didn't... I mean, I was stoked for this movie when I heard about it. I paid like, I paid like $20 to watch it on a TV. I've never done that before in my whole life. I had some um, structural issues with it. People seem to like that it's... Like, not what you think it's going to be because you think it starts off one thing and you're like, oh, it's not that. But I don't know if I think it's not that in, like, a deft way. It didn't turn into something more interesting to me. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. John, which Oscar-nominated film did you see? It wasn't just nominated. Nomadland. You watched Nomadland, the historic win for Nomadland. Did you like it? Yeah. I haven't seen Nomadland. I saw four. I saw The Five Bloods, Collective... Sound of Metal, and Promising Young Woman. What's collective? Oh, Starly, thank you so much for that segue. <laughs> Kid Midas movie recommendation of the week. Dropped earlier this week on Discord, available exclusively to our Patreons, patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Collective is, it was nominated for Best Documentary. It's a Romanian film. I love Romania. About corruption in the Romanian healthcare system following the fatal nightclub fire that killed scores of people and left scores others in a burn unit receiving um, antibacterial medicine that it turns out was not exactly what it said on the label. And a sports newspaper based in Bucharest... Love Bucharest. ...that had experience with investigative reporting and uncovering corruption because they're so used to dealing with corruption in FIFA and the Olympics and stuff, they had the wherewithal to track the corruption in the Romanian public health system. 
Mm. And it led to like resignations and, and new people getting hired. It was a great documentary. It's one of those documentaries that's simultaneously extremely depressing and also very inspirational. I didn't even know. It was nominated, it was Best Documentary. Yeah, but it lost to My Octopus Teacher. I can't watch that because it's sad. A man falls in love with an octopus. Long speech. They, I thought they should have thanked the octopus. It's like when um, Julia Roberts forgot to thank Erin Brockovich when she won Best Best Actress for Erin Brockovich. Mm-hmm. Just to get back to Collective, it put me in mind of another Romanian film I saw years ago, a very intense theatrical experience I had. There's a Romanian quote-unquote comedy that came out, I don't know, 10 years ago called The Death of Mr. Lazarescu. It is a two-and-a-half-hour film, more or less taking place in real time as an elderly alcoholic in Bucharest has a health emergency and is shuttled from hospital to hospital by a lone EMT, and he is denied entrance at multiple hospitals. So if listeners, if you want to have a night of semi-feel-good movies about Romanian healthcare system, I recommend a double bill, The Death of Mr. Lazarescu followed by Collective. That's my recommendation of the week. I love Romania. I've been to Romania twice. There's a lot of hard, sad, depressing, yet very good Romanian films. Those films did not prepare me for going to Romania, which is so fun. And I don't want to generalize, but I've never had a more compatible sense of humor with like another culture than I have with Romanians. Maybe you'll like The Death of Mr. Lazarescu because it was marketed as a comedy and kind of failed because of that. Maybe we should do um, a Romanian film, a mini Romanian film festival for our Patreon. Got to do four months, three weeks, two days. Feel good movie of the summer. Getting an abortion under the Ceausescu regime. Which I've never seen. You know. <laughs> it's, it's a laugh riot. John, did Twitter say anything about Francis McDormand's? Francis McDormand. No. 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 They just said she was great. I love your impression of Twitter. They also did a thing. Did you hear about the immemorium? There were so many people because so many people had died last year that it got oh. to the point where they started to like speed up slightly the names. Like you saw all these big actors and then they started putting all these like producers and hairstylists and stuff like that. Just like name after name after name after name after name. And you really did feel the weight of a year where more people had died than ever before in our lifetimes. That's right. Didn't they just come out with a study that said 2020, yeah. we saw more, we had the highest death above average rate than we had since 1911 or 1913? And that was reflected in the in memoriam of the Oscars. Let's turn now to our own in memoriam. May 1st is upon us. We are staring down the barrel of a new month. And as of May 1st, a number of markets unpredicted will resolve. John, let's turn one last time. Will Matt Gates resign before May 1st? And will Andrew Cuomo resign before May 1st? I'm going to lose all my money in both these markets. Over 100 hard-earned American dollars will disappear on May 1st. What did I do wrong? Uh, not sell when it became obvious. I bailed on the Matt Gates. Once it got down to like four cents, I was like, I'm out. And then I just maxed out in Cuomo at the end. So I'm going to make about 100 bucks on Cuomo. Oh, for Pete's sake. I lost like 50 on Gates. 
The only other market I'm in right now, well, I have a little bit in the mayoral election winner, but I'm in that uh, Laura Trump is not going to run in the GOP Senate primary. I'm up in that market. Yeah, me too. That's one of the rare green arrows I see on my predicted page. Oh my gosh, I'm getting breaking news right now about Matt Gates. What? He's long. Just kidding. Oh, best actor, worst role. Sir John Kimball's not able to join us tonight to accept his award. I am actually getting some breaking news, though. I am getting some real breaking news. About California? Uh, yeah, about California, about North Carolina, about a, about a number of states. I got that, too. I have an iPhone as well. This is pretty exciting. I thought that this was going to happen the other day. And actually, this broke a little bit before we came on. David broke the news to me, and I was embarrassed that he had it before me. Reapportionment has uh, been announced, and North Carolina will be gaining a congressional district. And California will be losing one for the first time ever. California's loss is North Carolina's gain. California, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia all lost one. New York was lucky not to lose two. Florida gained one. Colorado, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon all gained one. Uh, We thought Arizona was going to gain one. They didn't. Uh, We thought Florida would gain two. They only got one. And we thought uh, Texas would probably get three, and they only got two. Is this good news or bad? Overall, it's better for Democrats than we expected. Three electoral college votes more are going to red states. But we thought it was going to be more like six. North Carolina gained like a million residents in the past 10 years. Going straight from Los Angeles to Charlotte, from L.A. County to Mecklenburg County. I get it. Now that Arclight's gone, we'll be lucky if we hold on to one seat. Everyone's moving to North Carolina so they can get into Silver Spot Cinema as the world's greatest movie chain. Yeah, even Apple's. Apple announced, North Carolina had a big day today. Apple announced that they're building a billion-dollar East Coast campus hmm. in North Carolina. This was something that we expected to be announced in 2018 and— We were still reeling from HB2 bathroom bill fiasco, and I thought for sure that that was going to be lost forever. But that was repealed. Governor Cooper is a Democrat now, and he had a lot to do with it, and Apple announced this today. So that's huge huge news. It's 10 miles from where I live. It'll be good for you, John, because you're a foodie, and it means there'll be a lot of new upscale, fancy, trendy restaurants. But really, will it? It's just a bunch of engineers. Everyone's like, Apple's coming, and they're going to make North Carolina blue. I'm like, they're a bunch of engineers making $300,000 a year. Who's to say that they're liberal? Well, they are liberal, but they're liberal on their terms. They bring their idea of convenience and comfort with them. They make cities conform to what they like. There'll be soylent pumps all over Mecklenburg County. Not Mecklenburg, Wake. It's in Wake County. It's like equidistant between Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill. You know, suburban, secretive-type location near the airport. So between North Carolina picking up a new congressional district and Apple announcing a new campus, you're right, it was a big day for the old North State, for North Carolina. How are you feeling, John? I'm feeling pretty good. And you know what? What? I actually did something to celebrate. Mm. I went into my closet today and I found something (gasps) that we've talked about on this. Oh, <laughs> I know what this is. Are you wearing it right now? Yeah. Oh my God, the Chris Brust practice jersey. Wow. That looks incredible. Right? Oh my gosh, look at that. It's pretty scratchy, honestly. Well, back then they were still making them all out of wool, right? Hand-drawn wool. Can you stand up so we can see it? 
Sure. Mm, that's nice. This is yeah. North Carolina basketball player, 80s legend, Chris Brust. John is now modeling his Brust 31. Unbelievable. That looks terrific. I like how the letters look like tags. Yeah, they totally look like tags. I always thought they sort of looked like tombstones. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit like ghosts. A little like ghosts. The specter of death hangs over Chapel Hill, UNC. Maybe an ornament, a tombstone ornament or a ghost ornament hanging on the trunk that is John Kimball. More showbiz news for our celebrity spectacular. The one and only Elon Musk is going to host Saturday Night Live. And I, for one, cannot wait for the jokes and zingers. Were you excited about that, David? Yeah. I'm all for the blurring of lines between entertainers and business people. I think it's good for America to decide (laughs) that they should be entertained by (laughs) exploitative billionaires. I think that's a healthy trend line. How did I... Starly, if you've ever looked at Elon's Twitter feed, you'll realize he's one of the smartest, Mm -hmm. funniest Mm -hmm. people who's ever lived. He's a perfect match for the cutting-edge social satire and take-no-prisoners comedy of American comedy institution Saturday Night Live. Why isn't Grimes a musical guest? She, I'm sure she'll show up and do a surprise thing. And they'll do some they'll do some lighthearted skit about how they named their baby after a fucking algorithm or whatever. He's so not funny. Come on, he's funny. He has a great sense of humor. He, lo- he loves it when people poke fun at him. <laughs> he talks about setting a share price at 420, and that means marijuana. That's funny. That is kind of funny. He built a tunnel with disco lights in it. And said it was like a brand new invention. That's like high concept, funny, pranking performance art. This dude is like putting impractical jokers on notice. The fact of the matter is, it's probably going to be fine. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in a long time. But I'll be darned if I'm not going to try to tune in and watch Elon Musk. I know it's hoping against hope. It's the same irrational logic that made me believe that Matt Gates was going to resign from the house by May 1st and that Andrew Cuomo would leave Albany by May 1st. I'm going to tune in and, and put all my chips in on Elon Musk falling on his face. But like everything else I invest in, it's not going to turn out the way I want it. He's going to be surrounded by professional comedy writers. They're going to humanize him and poke a little bit at fun of him, but they're not really going to stick the knife in because they can't afford to alienate their host. So it's just going to be just going to be a bunch of good-natured self-effacing ribbing. It's going to drive me up the fucking wall. It's going to drive me bananas. It's going to be fine because nothing matters and life, no one cares about anything and there's no accountability for anything that happens anymore. But you can tell when there's better hosts and worse hosts. I agree. And I have a prediction that he will do worse than Trump. I think Trump had more charm and could just follow the directions better than Musk will. Trump is is funny. And they're going to wish that they had asked Trump instead. I have to admit, it would be incredible if Saturday Night Live announced that Trump was going to host an episode <laughs> this summer. I would tip my hat to Lorne Michaels and the crew at Saturday Night Live if they were like, yeah, June 14th, Donald Trump, musical guest, whatever young people listen to. Uh, Portugal the Man, host, Donald Trump. Has there ever been anyone even like Elon Musk, what he does, though, as a host? Like, I don't even understand the category that he is. He's like Steve Martin. He's just a personality. He's just part of our culture. <laughs> it reminds me of when Jesse Eisenberg was on hosting Saturday Night Live to promote the social network. Mark Zuckerberg was a surprise 
drop in during the opening monologue. Really? Because they were dressed identically. And Mark Zuckerberg obviously looked like a complete android, told some jokes, redefined awkward for a new generation, and then slinked off. But people were like, oh, what a good sport. Zuckerberg showed up and, and took some ribbing. Now, it was charming in its weird way whenever somebody who obviously hates being on camera is on camera. Maybe it won't be charming if Elon Musk has to sustain it for 90 minutes. I have to get hired as a writer on Saturday Night Live in the next week. Is that possible? They're going to do a skit. I can see it now. They're going to do a skit. It's on the surface of Mars. Elon Musk is going to walk out in his spacesuit and say, hey, where is everybody? We did it. We, we colonized Mars. And there's going to be a little tomato plant. He's going to be like, this is the first tomato that was ever grown on Mars. I'm going to eat it. And then he's going to take a big bite out of it. And then he's going to say, oh, no, there's no more food on Mars. And then they'll cut back to Earth and there'll be a dinner party. And they'll be like, honey, do you want to have some more tomatoes? They're everywhere on Earth. Mmm, tomato salad. Don't mind if I do. And that's the skit. Everyone will laugh. <laughs> that's good. Maybe Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin will reprise their iconic conehead roles. And Elon Musk will come in as a conehead. Exactly. Well, no, or he'll colonize the Coneheads. Like they'll be the they'll right. be the residents of Mars. Here we go. Or they'll they'll have a Mars shark, you know, instead of a land shark. Mm. What is, is that? that a character? I don't know what that is land shark. You don't know land shark? Land shark. This is exactly the kind of joke that's going to fall flat when <laughs> Elon Musk tries to deliver it. <laughs> Ding dong! Oh, who rang our doorbell on our pod on Mars? Mars shark. Oh, what? it's a shark delivering flowers. I had to go all the way to Earth to get these Gerber daisies. I hope you enjoy them. And by the way, rah, 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 shark. And then he eats them. Yeah. Then Elon Musk is like, oh, I'm in the hospital. And then the nurse comes in and it's Grimes. And everyone goes crazy. And Grimes is like, we're going to try a new experimental medicine. It's called One Delta Dot CF2. And Elon Musk will say, <laughs> that's my baby. That's funny. That does great. It's going to be one of the best episodes ever, yeah. And you know what? We'll get a lot of intel about what to expect from the episode if they release one of those promos. You know how sometimes they'll release a quick promo video of the host and the musical guest standing in front of the empty soundstage? Mm -hmm. And Elon Musk will say, Hi, I'm Elon Musk. I'm hosting Saturday Night Live this weekend. And uh, I'm here with the musical guest. And uh, I'm kind of nervous. I've never been on TV before. I hope I don't get canceled. <clears throat> Cancel culture all about like, because, you know, he doesn't tow any ideological party lines. He says what he thinks, and that's why we love him. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know he is, if you're showing up for some PC humor, SGW approved, you are not going to be happy because Elon Musk is a little stinker. He is a known South African bad boy. So you know it's going to be extremely provocative. How many uh, marijuana jokes do you, oh, do you think there will be? Here's what we have. There'll be marijuana sketches. Bitcoin, Cybertruck. Remember the Cybertruck when they unveiled it and they threw the ball bearings at it and the windows broke? They'll have that. Holy fuck. You know what I just realized? And I'm not even kidding. And this ties into our next topic. Do you know who's going to be another drop-in guest during the cold open? I do. It's Elon's buddy, Andrew Yang. Guaranteed. New York City's next mayor, Andrew Yang, is a definitely going to be a drop-in guest. If that were a predicted market... I would put money down right now. This is not just a pump and dump. This is an honest this is an honest prediction from Kid Midas, the king of predictions. So what are they going to do? Are they going to play two wild and crazy guys? Something like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
The Blues Brothers. It's going to be the Blues Brothers, but it's going to be Elon Musk (laughs) and Andrew Yang, and it's going to be some kind of new cryptocurrency. No, no, it's going to be it's going to be synchronized swimming. It's going to be. I'm not a that strong of a swimmer. This makes me. I I brought up Coneheads because it was. I felt Coneheads thematically made sense from another planet, Mars. I couldn't. I don't know if there's been any alien creatures since Coneheads. That's why I went back as far. John Campbell's like, it's going to be Lothar of the Hill People, but it's going to be Lothar of the Mars People. It's going to be now's the time on rockets when we dance. Oh, John, you're on fire. It's the jersey. He's got that Chris Brust energy. He's got that Chris Brust blood pumping through his veins right now. Here's my pledge to listeners. If Elon Musk mentions Chris Brust when he's guesting on Siren Live, I'll pay everyone listening to this podcast a million dollars. You're putting that out there days before they film, so they could still listen to this. That's true. If I was a Wiley SNL writer, I would hear this, write it in, and then you'd have to give that writer a million dollars. Oh, that's true. I withdraw my offer. What do you think the sketch will be with Andrew Yang? They can use the entire cast to play the 50 other people running in the Democratic mayoral primary. Here's the sketch. Here's the sketch. It's Elon Musk okay. as Scott Stringer, <laughs> New York City comptroller. Elon mm-hmm. Musk comes out, does two and a half minutes of solid comptroller jokes, mm-hmm. talking about budgeting, talking about appropriations. And then someone knocks on the door. Excuse me, Mr. Comptroller, this is boring. How about we just give everybody free money? And then Andrew Ooh. Yang walks in. Standing ovation. Elon Musk breaks character right. because he's so overwhelmed and says, Andrew, I can't wait to work with you on solving the New York City subway system. I'm thinking we put mass people movers in tunnels. Andrew Yang's like, Elon, that's a brilliant idea. Uh, we'll do it. We're, we're going to build some tunnels underneath the city. Wait, what's this? There's already a bunch of tunnels under the city? Very well. We'll build our tunnels below those tunnels. A sub-subway. Then Subway Sandwich comes out because this is SpawnCon and says, did someone say sub-subway? Count me in for a foot long of fun. Subway Sandwiches here to say. And then live from New York, it's Saturday Night Live. Here's my pitch. Okay. So the Andrew Yang spots where he walks around New York and he goes to a bodega and he's like, New York City wouldn't be anything without a bodega, without bodega owners. And, and you see him dribble, like he just walks down the street and he happens to gawk through a basketball game and he takes a ball and he dribbles and he makes a shot. That kind of spot on Mars. Oh, mayor of Mars. Mayor of Mars. Yeah. Mars wouldn't be anything without the sub-gravitational pull uh, shopkeeps who give me my, you know, oxygen tank. Like, he's, <laughs> he'll, he'll be playing basketball upside down. It'll be a shot-for-shot remake of an Andrew Yang spot on Mars. Gleep Glorp makes the best protein sludge on the, on the eastern seaboard of Mars. And then you'll see Elon, Mu- you'll see Elon Musk as, like, a hot dog vendor. Hot dogs, hot dogs, get your electric hot dogs. <laughs> That'll be the catchphrase. The listeners can tell us which of our pitches we would, would have been accepted in the room, which would make it to rehearsal. May 8th. We have a lot of time for them to steal our, all, all our ideas. Do you think he will be stoned while doing the opening monologue? No, but I think when they have that final shot, when the band is playing, he said, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Everyone's on stage. He'll be smoking a doobie and he'll be wearing a, a Dogecoin shirt. Nailed it. And that's when I will feel depths of despair I have yet to feel. 
just he's going to be covered head. He's going to be like how NASCAR drivers are covered head to foot in like motor oil logos. That's going to be him, but with memes. He's going to be like, I got to go big for my boys on Reddit. I got to have every fucking meme on earth plastered all over my body as I wave goodnight on Saturday Night Live and hug the musical guest and high five everybody. Do you think Andrew Yang will come out and throw money into the uh-huh. crowd and during the wave He'll goodbye? He'll start his UBI. Speaking of Andrew Yang and speaking of me losing all my damn money, I'm so underwater on I So this is what I want to know. Who will be elected New York City mayor in 2021? That's a simple enough question and that's a simple enough market on predicted Months and months ago, I bought 200 shares no in it being Andrew Yang back when it was a toss-up, according to Predicted, mm-hmm. 50-50. Andrew Yang is now up to 69 cents. I'm sure he, Elon Musk and Andrew Yang love that because 69 is a famous sexual position. Mm-hmm. This guy <laughs> is running against so many other candidates. This dude's going to fucking be the mayor of New York City. I can't believe – I mean – I, what is wrong with me that I cannot learn my lessons? I mean, it does make sense to me. It's a crowded field, and every, all the other front runners are just long time. You got the comptroller. You got borough presidents. You got former de Blasio administration officials. It's a crowded field, and Andrew Yang is like Donald Trump. Once he's on the debate stage, once you're behind a podium, it's just like, oh, they must be a real politician. But he does not act like a real politician because he's clumsy and awkward AF. And also, he has one big idea, universal basic income. People latch on to it. He's never voted for mayor in nope. New York. I was in New York for four years, and I don't think I ever voted when I was in New York because in, in in my defense, New York doesn't make it easy to vote. It, I remember it being a real pain. I found it very easy to vote in New York. I'd walk down the street to the school, go in there, no line. It's so easy. Well, that's not that's not its reputation. I don't feel like you should be allowed to run for an office um, that you never voted for. Unless you're running as a 19-year-old. This is one of those things where it's like, man, I wish you the best of luck, Andrew Yang. I kind of think if you win, you're not going to like being mayor of New York City. Because it's not really a fun job. And I don't know if temperamentally you're suited for it. Scott Stringer's got name recognition in New York. And he's liked. Why can't he just be mayor? I know it's not sexy. I know it's not sexy, but he is like. When you think of Scott Stringer, like when I think of Andrew Yang, I think of things. I think Joe Rogan podcast, he'll talk to anybody. He's kind of socially awkward, so I know he's not a normal politician. He's definitely an outsider, and he wants to give everybody free money. The socially awkward part where you're saying he's not a normal politician, I dispute that. I'm saying he's not super sexy and suave like de Blasio and Bloomberg were. These were men that were just pure (laughs) charisma. (laughs) <laughs> Andrew Yang doesn't have that raw sexual energy of a Michael Bloomberg standing in front of a pie chart or Bill de Blasio hulking over a treadmill at the Park Slope YMCA. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at. Scott Stringer, though, does feel— I've known his name for as long as I've known— to, be, to have been a name I recognize for as long as Scott Stringer has been and to not have anything bad attached to him is an endorsement. So why don't you buy some? He's pre- I mean, he's pretty cheap. I bought Scott Stringer— at nine cents. He's not going to win. He might win. He's not going to win. He's not going to win. I, impossibly, Andrew Yang is going to win. Scott Stringer gave great speeches at all the rallies that were held around the city after Trump started the Muslim ban. I was really impressed with the stuff Scott Stringer was saying. But New York is coming out. They have a totally dysfunctional 
city right now. Subway's fucked up. The schools are fucked up. I'm skeptical about Andrew Yang, but I understand like his appeal. I watched an interview he was did with the Joe Rogan podcast. They were talking about student loans and college costs. And it was like, yeah, I see why this guy is appealing. He's affable. He's, he's dorky. He seems to care about stuff. I don't think a lot of these ideas are a good idea, but like I understand his appeal. Point is I'm losing money on this guy. This guy, for a guy who wants to give everybody free money every month, he's got to do something about my portfolio because I bet against him early and I'm getting my ass whipped six ways to Sunday as per usual. You know who Andrew Yang reminds me of? In terms of social awkwardness plus a single idea that they're that is the horse they rode in on that they are also beating to death with Andrew Yang, obviously it's universal basic income. It's Stephen Forbes. He is the Democrats' answer to Steve Forbes. He may have been on Saturday Night Live. I think he was actually at one point. I think, I think he, he was. was. A famously awkward weirdo. John, do you remember Steve Forbes' singular obsession? The flat tax. Flat tax, baby. Everyone pays 15%. Doesn't matter if you work at McDonald's or a hedge fund, you're getting taxed 15%. The tax code is too complicated. He ran for president <laughs> twice, and that's basically all he said. Flat tax, flat tax, flat tax. And for his fans, it was like, okay, I understand this idea. I will, I will vote for this person because that idea makes a lot of sense to me. That's Andrew Yang. Yeah. Universal basic income, a thousand bucks a month, a thousand bucks a month. That's all he wants to talk about. I went on the Steve Forbes Wikipedia entry looking at this logo from 1996. Holy mother of God, there has never been, never been a more balls-to-the-wall president logo than Steve Forbes' 1996 presidential logo. If you're hearing these words, go on Wikipedia and check out this logo from 1996. The word art budget must have been insane. Probably designed it himself in coral draw. Oh, I'm looking at the 2000. No, no, fuck the 2001. 96 is where it's at. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he saw it. It's the it's the it's the it's the font of Forbes magazine, the Forbes for President. Yeah, but it has this 3D element that's very dynamic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's saying the magazine's running for president. <laughs> Car and driver for president, 1996. Yeah. The primary field would be a nightmare because it'd be split between car and driver, motor trend, and road and track. A listener question from Max. I was disturbed to hear that on this week's Love It or Leave It, a comedy spinoff of Pod Save America, it was mentioned that Cal Cunningham's ill-advised kissing-centric affair took place when he was in L.A. for a Pod Save America taping. That's amazing. Maybe if it weren't for their podcast, it wouldn't be a 50-50 Senate. This makes me wonder, what is the closest each of you has come to costing the Democratic Party the Senate? So Cal Cunningham flew out to L.A., showbiz city, to do Pod Save America. And then he thought he was the biggest bad boy in Hollywood. And that's when he got into kissing and cuddling. And that's what sunk his, his Senate campaign and that's why we got to rely on Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema for every goddamn thing we want to get done. So it's basically Pod Save America's fault. Is that what Max is saying, our listener, Max? Yeah, he is. 
But he's phrasing it like how, like it's a like it's a contest we want to win. What is the closest each of you has come to costing the Democratic Party the Senate? They're making it seem like they're winning. Party of America is somehow winning <laughs> yeah. because they they flew uh-huh. Cal Cunningham in to kiss and cuddle. It's a trick question because we're going to get into the spirit and try to vie against this when we shouldn't be even entering this contest. Max, I'm just going to say this, and I'm not gonna I'm not going to explain any further, but 2010, those midterms, that was my fault. That was all on me. Mm. The only other thing I wanted to say was thank you all the listeners. I, I was in a in a fit of catastrophic hysteria last week, and I misspoke. Amoeba Records has not closed. It simply moved to a new location. That was my bad. It's not closed. It's just down the street. I was just talking about that nexus of- Biffed it. Uh, yeah, I biffed it. You're right. I biffed it. And there's no excuse, and I apologize. Hopefully, Elon Musk will buy the Cinerama Dome. Once he triumphs on Saturday Night Live, gets a taste of that showbiz bug, decides he wants to be a movie mogul, wants to make big-budget stoner comedies that are decidedly un-PC and not for the faint of heart, maybe he'll buy the Arclight as his kind of screening room so that he and his celebrity friends can blaze some marijuana and laugh at some outrageous comedy. And they'll change the name from the Arclight to the Dorklight because all Reddit dorks will be welcome. The first movie theater where you can buy popcorn using Bitcoin and whatever cryptocurrency they come up with. Dogecoin. Or light up 420, light up all the time. Yep, that's it. Arc light up 420 all the time. That's going to yeah. be the new name of the theater. <laughs> um, I'm not going to extend my sacrificial... Um, boycott of not going to the arc light if Elon Musk buys it. I will go if he buys it. All right. I would even go if Steve Forbes bought it. Oh my God. If Steve Forbes bought a movie theater just for his own curated movies that he wanted, like a revival theater. If you could go to IMAX just to see his 1996 presidential logo in 3D. (laughs) If they had an IMAX... (laughs) IMAX feature that was just great presidential logos of history in IMAX. (laughs) It would be so mind-blowing. These serifs, you'd be ducking out of the way of these serifs coming at you, trying to chop your head off in 3D. You know who would go to that? You know who would go, who would sit and watch that for hours? A stoned Elon Musk. And all the ushers wear Chris Brust practice jerseys. And we wrapped it all up like the showbiz professionals we are. It's called a button, ladies and gentlemen, otherwise known as a callback. And only a select few have mastered its use. Such select few include the Election Profit Makers. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, Daniel Powell, and Steven Soderbergh, bringing a new vision to the podcasting landscape in these extraordinary times. The show is mixed by Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Then you can join the Discord. Send your election prediction questions, skyline questions, and corrections to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. That's our exclusive email address. You can still try Predict It, my friends. There's still money to be won and lost. You can go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. As always, please rate, review us on podcast review apps and spread the word to family and friends about a wonderful new podcast on the scene called Election Profit Makers. I'm David. I'm saying goodbye. Goodbye, Starly. Bye. Goodbye, John. Bye. Goodbye to all who listened. We'll see you next week. Take care.